0: Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode number 71. And as usual, we have Phil. Hey, Phil.
1: Hey, how's it going? Good. And Glenn. Hey, how's it? How's it, guys? Good. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily and securely accessed your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project configuration is via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings. SSL certificates or any YAML. So today we're
0: going to talk about 0.114 and some other stuff. So let's get into it. There's some interesting updates on the Home Assistant Companion app. We've had Robbie on the show in the past uh, to talk about what the uh, iPhone app brings in and such as a long time ago. Mm. but uh they just put out a little blog post uh which you should check out on the on the home assistant blog but uh essentially just putting out hey here's some of the new features here's some of the you know what's what's really cool coming out i I admittedly i only skimmed the android section sounds like there are a bunch of uh updates including uh improvements on notifications um just the way sensors uh, have come in uh, for the phone itself so uh, geolocation to say hey the phone the, the device is here um, and and keeping in mind that the Android uh, version has only recently started being uh, mm. developed right Also biometrics so again doing uh, I'm not sure what it's called in the in the uh, Android world but the face ID equivalent essentially or or you know uh, touch ID equivalent so yeah, touch uh, ID, st- yeah. st- standard <laughs> biometrics again right? Uh, So a lot of those features have now been uh, incorporated into the Android release. Um, On the iOS side of the house, there's been a ton of stability improvements from a notification perspective. They actually changed it so you can actually stream HTTP, uh, so using HLS, so HTTP live streaming for video, Mm -hmm. rather than uh, MJPEG, uh, which is a previous format that they... uh, So this is
1: for camera feeds and and all that, I'm guessing. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, So... It's, it's actually that that part is actually really nice um th- there's also per action urls um which can be so for example just uh if you if you have specific urls open it won't kick you into safari
1: to open to open up the browser oh so i'm guessing you know this is like when you're on facebook and you click a link to go to an external site exactly. opening it up the safari browser it actually stays within the facebook app and then you can you know not leave that whole experience Correct, correct. Um nice. and, and so I, I don't know, you know, uh,
0: I don't have a ton of stuff where I use that, but it's kinda kinda cool, I guess. To, It'd be uh, handy.
1: Have... I know I have um like web panels on the sidebar in my home assistant that link to, you know, my anything I'm running locally, like Grafana or, you know, Decons, Vera, anything that's, you know, a web service in my local network. Well So yeah, will that work? Kind
0: of, kind of. So this is this is relative URLs for Home Assistant, right? So uh, the example that they use is like slash lovelace-tacos uh, slash zero, right? So as you have different URLs there uh, that you may have hard-coded in it, it'll actually go into...
1: Right, okay. In because, so previously, like, so if you're on the Home Assistant web page, you know, on your computer, yeah. they would just be, you know, it would just load the URL onto Lovelace, right? Because you're just browsing a web page. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing previously if you clicked a link, then Lovelace was, or the app was assuming that you were going to a web address and then throwing you out of the app.
0: Right, right, exactly. Right. So, exactly. So, that's a nice uh, piece in there. So, a little bit of enhancements there. They say it's more frequent sensor updates while you use the app, uh, which is really cool, but I don't know if that's going to take a hit on battery life or what have you. I, I know in the past they had kind of uh, reduced the amount of... Uh, background updates and such because Mm. of battery um so i guess i'm guessing that they removed that because either batteries are getting better or that ios just handles that a little bit better yeah um i'm I'm not sure again i'm not an ios developer so i'm not sure which one that is but um, this one and then this next update for me was kind of huge there's no more duplicate integrations so what that is is if i re-add my phone i'll get like rohan's phone too or rohan's iphone too um oh, and really? and yeah so my girlfriend's phone right now in home assistant is whatever underscore two because I I, mm. I I i was transitioning between um apps and what have you and and it was just super 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 frustrating and 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 i do the beta as well so while while i went from the beta to the uh ga version yeah uh basically i i had that uh, i had that issue where you know it's now iPhone 2, rather than just Rohan's iPhone or what have you. So that means I had to go in, change all of my automations, change all of my whatever, um, or I could just go through, find the way, delete the... It's just more effort, right? I had the same problem. Yeah.
2: Mm, I had the same problem with mine now, with the duplicate integrations. Uh, Basically, I had had to delete the app for some reason and re-download it, and then I re-enrolled, and basically, boom, I had duplicate integrations, and I simply just went in and just deleted uh, the, the The others and oh, it was a, it was a mission and a half to get that all going again. So I'm glad they sorted that out.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was really so like and 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 you know they call out specifically the beta the beta beta devices as well or so the beta app as well, which mm. I, I ran into this problem a couple of times while I was going between the beta and the uh, regular app.
1: so It sounds like they're using you know like the unique identifier of the iPhone now. so if you sign into multiple instances of the app from the same phone, Instead of you know generating a new entity ID in Home Assistant, it will now use, okay, this is the same phone, different app with the same phone, don't recreate those entities. Yeah, that's what that's what it sounds like. So it
0: says the app registers its unique ID with Home Assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that when you reinstall or reset up the app, it should pick up the thing. So nice. what happens mm-hmm. is I think I think the beta and the iTunes version just overwrite each other or the App Store version just overwrite each other so that should be a single entity but i did i did remember i was actually running both at once that may that may have been with the mobile integration and the iphone integration in the past uh before they moved to a mobile device uh, standardized uh, integration yeah. between the two platforms yeah so uh i mean regardless i i don't i don't know if it'll never happen but i think i think the chances of it happening are a lot less now Which is really nice. Last thing is uh, from an iOS 14 perspective, uh, they're adding a bunch of uh, or they're looking into using uh, widgets and, you know, what else they can do in that sense. Right. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if this is a work in progress already or if it's just uh, or if it's just, you know, kind of ideas, but uh, that will kind of be interesting to see. Apparently, iOS 14 is also introducing local push connectivity, uh, which is essentially push notifications that are done locally, which is kind of cool. So it doesn't need to round trip up to Apple and then come
1: back down. That would be much faster.
2: I think that is something that they've wanted to put into iPhone since day one. People wanted Mm -hmm. local push. And then the alternative was uh, server push notifications. So it's quite interesting to see that that's actually coming in. uh, What's it, 14 years later?
0: (laughs) yeah yeah well it's it's interesting because they even have uh you know they they even talk about like you know it's, hopefully it'll improve the experience for especially for folks with boats and rvs and such right and 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 we've talked about both mm. kinds uh in in our in our podcast where you know hey here's someone with a boat that's trying to do so and so and so all right and then and now again if you're in the middle of somewhere a lot of your notifications don't work a lot of what, whatever, right? Your voice like, you, you assistants can't... don't work, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So having local push is super handy in that sense, um,
1: I think. Particularly for devices, you know, like emergency devices, you know, like smoke detectors, carbon monoxide sensors, if you have to rely on a cloud being, you know, online to then ping everyone's phone in that emergency when that alarm goes off, it sort mm-hmm. of defeats the purpose, right? Yeah
0: yeah well exactly right so um one other change and this came in through another another uh, blog post as well from Robbie is um the iOS companion app is actually moving to uh being branded as uh from from Nabucasa Mm. um and essentially what that is is it, it, it opens up a lot of possibilities for the app itself right and uh in the sense of there's a there's a lot of limits on individual developer accounts that you can do. That means making collaboration is difficult, so on and so forth, right? Um, and and essentially what Robbie's point in this blog post was is that um if you know if there was an update that was needed or so on and so forth, they had to wait on Robbie, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas uh putting it in this so it comes in as Nabucasa. That doesn't mean that it's you know, that you need a subscription, it doesn't mean any of that. They just needed a legal entity to uh register the apple app against yeah, right they, they essentially
1: uh, needed a, a business developers account through apple which correct. you can't get as a person you need like you know in australia we call it an abn number like a business number you would need like a mm-hmm. a business ident- identification number for exactly. Apple to give you you know that sort of developer account exactly and and and
0: navacasa is that right they are a legal operating entity mm. whatever you want to call it right um, that doesn't mean that there's going to be a charge for the app. That doesn't mean any of that stuff. So just make sure that, you know, we're, we're clear on that, right? Um,
1: when I first saw the tweet, I must admit, I thought, oh, no, they're going to, you know, require a Navicaster subscription for users. I thought, oh, no, that's not going to look good. But when you actually get down to the crux of it, it's literally just moving Git repositories, right? Like we need to change the ownership of who owns the code, and to do that, we're going to need people to. I think they need to re-enter their password when the new update comes through just to confirm that it's coming from a new source.
0: Yeah, yeah there's and and and, and exactly it, right. And so with that, I mean, really not a lot should change functionally or anything like that. It just it just makes it easier for the developers on the back end to uh, to manage it. Mm. Um, at, as of the time of this recording, that hasn't been flipped over yet. I don't believe um so and 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 you know the blog post says they don't expect it before august 10th which again at the time of recording for me is tomorrow uh for <laughs> phil who lives in the future is now yes. uh but again that's not that it's not like that's a hard date right that that's their expectation. so plus take that- apple
1: right apple could find you know that you're using some random api that they don't like anymore and bam there's exactly month
0: delay Exactly. So, so that's going to take a little bit of time. Um, so, but that, that, but that's kind of what's happening in the uh, in the mobile front uh, mm. with the companion app uh, that that the team has put together.
1: I do hope if uh, they're going to add widgets to iOS, that they at least add the same widgets to Android, because Androids had widgets for years, and yeah, I just feel as though we would have the superior widget experience anyway. Yeah, I I don't personally I don't know how I
0: feel about the widgets. I I even on Android I always thought they were kind of ugly. Um, really, and and like
1: lovely for your home screen.
0: They're super handy. Don't get me wrong. I just I just hate the look of them personally. And and this is just one yeah. of those really weird me preference like my personal preference things. Yeah, yeah. Um. I mean, with that said, will I have widgets when it comes out? Probably. <laughs> <On> my <laughs> home screen, right? Um. But yeah, it, it's it's. <laughs> i don't know i'm I'm just not a fan of the way they look
2: of course we've got to try them out i mean hell, a new feature comes out we've got, to, got to give it a shot and see if see if it's nice i mean it's probably a novelty that'll wear off and we'll go back to uh the good old home screen with all the icons on it um, but you know hey got to try it see if it works yeah Hopefully we could do some cool stuff with it as home assistant
0: uh, i see it as a as a win so yeah we'll give it a shot agreed agreed so um yeah, I mean, and I'd I'd love to see what what's uh, happening on that front there too, right? And and again, that that's some of the stuff that they were kind of saying that they're you know we're looking forward to where this is going, not necessarily mm-hmm. that hey, you're gonna get widgets by the time iOS fourteen drops, right? So <laughs> just just to level set, because I I, I I can already. You know, see people uh, tweeting at Robbie, going, "Hey, you said this," and so just, just, just to make that clear, um, it is, it is a work in progress, right? Or, or just ideas that they're thinking of doing.
1: Yeah. All right. So, Home Assistant 0.114 is out today, and we have some new features. And it seems to be the the flavor going on at the moment. But LoveLace has joined the dark side, and if you upgrade this time, uh, what's going to happen is if your device, so if you're using, I'm not sure if Windows has it. Yet, I know Mac definitely has it, Mac OS has it. If you have dark mode enabled on your uh, device, when you open Home Assistant, it is going to uh, load the, the dark theme of Home Assistant. So that also brings in a whole bunch of new uh, color options to the user interface. So from the UI, you can go in and choose colors, you know, like secondary colors, primary colors, you know, what color should buttons be, etc. Uh, without needing to touch any YAML. So previously, if you wanted to That's awesome. do some like theming of Home Assistant, you know, you may see on Reddit or Twitter, you know, some cool screenshots of people, you know, doing some themes to their Home Assistant instance. Previously, that was done through um, themes, which are all done through YAML. But now there are some. Uh, not all the options are available, but most of the options are there where you can choose colors in the user interface and, and get it in real time feedback of what it's going to look like. So that's great I, I wonder
0: if that's exportable um i guess it is because it just dumps it into ui lovelace right at, at some point and then
1: i haven't uh, seen i yeah I, I haven't i haven't gone into that button yet because i used like all my yaml files are like have themes in many them way
0: yeah but
1: yeah that'd be interesting
0: because because i'm thinking somebody comes up even you know not necessarily a I don't want to call it like a full theme theme but somebody comes mm. up with a cool color scheme and it's like hey you know i like that what, what did you do and I don't want to have to go in and, you know, color pick every single or entity. Or it. Every single... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So hopefully that'll be... Yeah. That's uh, that's a thing that's there as well, so...
2: I wonder if they're going to allow you to assign a theme for dark mode and then a theme, a theme for light mode. Uh, that'll be actually quite cool. So you can actually do your own themes. I wonder if
1: they'll allow that. Mm-hmm. So there is... Uh, the ability for you know to to call a service to set a theme against your home is an instance yeah. and as part of that they have added a new attribute that allows you to specify a dark theme version so for example you may have you know a theme called glens you know lovelace right and you have a day version and a night version and depending on you know if your computer is in night mode or day mode your glen theme will be loaded with the correct one. Oh,
0: that's cool that is really nice. That's yeah. Nice. yeah. Um, repeat and choose options are now available in the UI automation editor. So uh, in the sense that we, we talked last week about, or last episode, sorry, about uh, what some of the biggest changes are in automations and scripts. Um, and we talked about the chooser and the repeat abilities as well. Um, so that, from an automation editor perspective and, and, and a script editor perspective, has now been ported towards, to the uh, UI as well.
1: Nice. Uh, something that caught me out in the in the beta is uh, changes to the automation turn-off service. Uh, so right now, uh, there is the ability for users to turn off an automation from yep. the front end. You know, we're all familiar with that. Uh, and what happens now is when an automation is turned off, any running executions of that automation will also be stopped. They'll be killed mid-process. And this actually caught me out where I have some automations that one of the first actions it does is it turns itself off just so there's no race conditions. You know, I have a couple of motion sensors that could do the same automation, but I don't want the automation to go off twice very quickly. Uh, so I would my first action would be to turn the automation off. And of course, when I upgraded, the first thing that would happen is that it would turn itself off, but it would just kill itself, basically committing suicide. Wow. uh so there is a new flag that you'll need to add uh, to your automation turn off service i think it's uh stop underscore actions you need to set that to false it now defaults to true as of this release
0: that, that's that's really only affects it when you're mid automation though right? Correct. Yes.
2: Okay. But I can definitely see a, a use case for this because if you're using the repeat now, I cannot recall whether you can specify an indefinite repeat yeah. uh, condition. So if you're doing an indefinite repeat and you f- say something, it sends out uh, alerts or notifications yeah. every f- and uh, you want to be able to stop that. And exactly, by simply turning yeah. off the automation bomb, it takes it out. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: I think this is where the this is sort of come out from. Some more some more speed improvements
0: uh, have have come along as well. So uh, it's like there's a war on speed. So um, which is which I'm all for. Um, make it more yeah, efficient, even better. Totally. Uh, so loading, reloading YAML configs and, and group availability should be a uh, lot faster now. So great.
1: Uh, and something that I always wondered why wasn't in Home Assistant, but here we go. It's finally here. AccuWeather is integrating with Home Assistant. They're a very popular weather service. And I'm always on the hunt for a new dark sky replacement because I know that's eventually going to get killed off next year, thanks to Rohan's friends, Apple. That's right. So... Uh, good to see another weather platform come in. I'd like to see even more, just so there's uh, more options. But yeah, cool. If you want, if you're looking for an alternative, AccuWeather I think would be a good one to start with.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it out. Uh, I actually wonder why nr. Uh, what's it? YR.no hasn't been made a full blown integration like uh, like uh, Dark Sky or mm. AccuWeather because wire.no uh, is actually pretty good. I, I quite use. I, I use the app, and uh, it would be cool if if they brought that in as a full blown integration.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure if there's a maybe there's a lack of an API or something like that. That would mm,
2: uh, that's probably the case.
0: Yeah uh control 4 uh so if you run control 4 uh with at least os 3.0 uh you can now bring in your, your lights so there you go
2: Yeah, i think i think that's pretty cool i mean os3 got released last year yeah and um it's uh, the, the the whole UI has been redone and it looks a bit mm. sort of more up to date, um, but it's quite interesting that now you can actually integrate into it. Um, I didn't think that was really possible before that, so I think it's a it's a huge step forward. Yes, yeah, usually like a, a closed off system. Yeah, it, it is a closed off, and and the nice thing about this is is that you if you purchase a, a house and you're somebody who is into home assistant, you've got Control Four installed, and uh, hell, it, now you can just. Plug straight into it, yeah. and and you can now do your own thing. Yeah, because, uh, yeah. C- Control Four is very closed, and I've actually got a friend who do installed Control Four in in 2018 in March, actually, and um, so I've had a bit of an opportunity to play play around with it and uh, just see the hardware and everything. So. Mm. But uh, you know, once I got into home assistant, I thought mm, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Control four is a yeah. little little expensive for my taste, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's they, they do have a really cool expensive. platform. am not, I'm zero mm. doubts on that. But yeah, mm-hmm. the, the the cost was for me personally was a barrier. Yeah, no, it's it's um,
2: it's not cheap, and I know how much yeah. you paid for it, and and um, I mean it's but but. I think we'll we'll speak about this later but the the lighting and the hardware is just something else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's something that I really like. Yeah.
0: Now.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Um some noteworthy updates. So HomeKit now supports doorbells and multiple camera streams. So and this probably might go similar to the where you were going before Rahan, with the updates to the iOS app, you know, it's you know better uh, mm-hmm. codec handling for cameras and stuff. So cool to see um you know more HomeKit love being added yeah exactly i wonder what other home i wonder what other home kit uh
2: features they still need to add it just feels like they've added everything <laughs> already it,
0: sure. I know, oh.
1: every release there seems to be something I'm like,
0: well there was a yeah. while where one release after the other after the other there was like mm. three four home kit updates every every release right so uh you know whoever's adding those in awesome thank you that's that's uh you know
1: maybe they're just trickling them out to troll us. No, that's, yeah that's
2: right and the, the, the cameras was quite a big deal. I mean, the cameras was, was took quite a long time mm-hmm. to come in. And when they brought that in, I thought, ah, there we go. We're now on the uh, definitely on the home straight. Um, I'm not sure what else they're still going to do, but I think it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. No, it's great. Um, for automations, you can now have multiple time triggers, which is kind of handy. Uh, so if you use a time trigger, t- sorry, if you use time as a trigger in, in automations, before, you'd have to do multiple time blocks. Now you can just have it all in one, and it can accept multiple times for the at attribute. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it just means just means less typing of stuff that you have to do,
1: right? So uh, The Hole integration now has a start and stop switch, which will get added to Home Assistant. So it's a new entity when you boot up the 0.114. That means it's a fully functional switch in Home nice. Assistant, so you can... Uh, put it as, you know, you can expose it to your favorite voice assistant and then have, you know, hey, Amazon, turn off ad blocking and it will work. So uh, not that you would ever want to do that. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably say the opposite. Hey, turn on ad block. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, which also sort of leads us into the breaking changes. So as part of that, uh, the uh, enable service for PyHole right. has been removed. So if you were automating your ad blocking, so maybe, you know, uh, if you have a, an automation set up when your TV turns on to turn ad blocking on and then off when you turn it off, you will need to update that automation just so it uses the switch instead of that uh, enable service. Um,
0: also, Météo France, uh, which is uh, the French meteorological service, I guess, uh, is moving to an API, which is really good to hear. Uh, so, but the result of that is sensors and attributes are no longer available. Um, so they used to use web scraping to f- get the data, um, which, you know,
1: we... I think is banned now, yeah. isn't it? Like one of the rules in Home Assistant, no web scraping. Get
0: yeah, and, and, and I think that's from the new integrations perspective. I don't know if they've mm. gone back and said, you know, apps like uh, like this one.
1: Oh, there was a time where there were like a whole bunch got removed at once, or right? like they just killed them
0: all. Yeah, off. exactly. But but I, I'm not sure why this one made made the cut mm. or, or whatever, but, you know, regardless... They're using an API now, which is a more uh, reliable approach, right? Because what happens before is, if you're web scraping, what happens if the web developer changes the UI of the of the site, right? Um, yep. So now that's it's it's no longer you know working, or, or, or if a button moves from let's call it button A to button B from a name perspective, great, your entire script's broken, right? So yeah. this uh, you know way more scalable, way more. Uh, way less breaking uh, unless and Mm. until they change the API itself. So, which is
1: for the better. But I think they've also in the transition, there's going to be a few sensors and attributes that have changed along with it, which will be annoying for some people.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you got to take the bad with the good, right? I guess. so.
1: Yeah. All right. Let me try and explain this one. So (laughs) uh, shell commands in Home Assistant. So Home Assistant has the ability to run, you know, command line prompts or command line commands from Home Assistant. So you can, you know, run any command could from a terminal inside Home Assistant. I use it a lot to do uh, curl requests to other web services. Uh, now, previously, if you were to fire a shell command, Home Assistant would allow them to run indefinitely. There would be, you know, if you had a, a download that took two hours from a curl request, Home Assistant would let it run. For two hours, and you know, if they build up, it could potentially cause a lot of problems. So all shell commands are now limited to sixty seconds. I couldn't see in the docs if they're if that's configurable. So if you have like a, a really slow API that you're communicating with, it might take two minutes to respond. Uh, I'm not hundred percent sure if you can configure that but it is something just to be wary of as well.
0: And and just to add to that as well, so command line cover, command line notify and switch platforms now time out after 15 seconds as well. So something Ooh. important to note there.
1: I wonder why the time difference, I guess that's, I mean, I guess if you're telling a, a blind to open, you don't need to wait a minute for it to respond. Hopefully.
0: Uh, or yeah. you, you <laughs> might want to look at a new blind solution. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh. All right, so Glenn, this is where we uh, throw it over to you. So I guess um, first we should start off, you know, you've obviously got that very strong accent. If people haven't recognised, where, where are you from in the world? i um, from Cape Town, South Africa so uh Mm -hmm.
2: yeah cape town and you know as i as i look out my window i can i can see table mountain of of, you know which is one of the seven wonders of the world unfortunately it's covered with clouds and and so (laughs) forth so i can't even point the camera to uh, to you guys but hey yeah it's a great city i love love enjoying living here it's yeah it's awesome
0: that's awesome and there's a national park with that too isn't there
2: yeah the table mountain national park yeah so there's a lot of hiking trails and of course, a big favourite is climbing uh, Lion's Head, and you just see the view of the city, and it's really awesome. Beautiful. A lot of lot of great hike and Table Mountain, the cable car, and yeah, it's really awesome. That's great. Mm.
1: So, I guess we should start. You know, what sort of got you into home assistant?
2: Yeah, well, look, you know, home is home automation in general. I mean, I've always been very fascinated with uh, computers being able to control stuff, you know, hardware and so forth. And I think it came from when I was a kid. I mean, back back there in in the 80s, there was this program on TV which uh, they they focused on the programming language of Logo. It's the I don't know if if that is perhaps a little bit uh, before your time, but it's a little turtle on the screen and you type a command like FD50 and it moves 50 Uh pixels up. And And nice. on, on this on this TV show, they actually had it connected to a robot. So you would type in a command, and this little robot would move uh, how many paces forward. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. So computers controlling things—that that really was this, the sort of. The, the seed that was planted even back when I was a kid and and you know as as time has gone by I mean I've uh, you know sort of dipped in and out of of anything to do with home automation I mean in 2003 I met a guy who's who built this really big house um, in Cape Town somewhere who at the time was running kilometers of, of of Ethernet cable through his house and and automating everything and I mean back then it was mm. X10 and and these really yeah uh, archaic protocols and i and I actually ha- really hadn't had the chance to ask him look so how did you actually do it because looking at what we can do now it's chalk and cheese if one can call it that. right right. <laughs> and then um and then i also i listened to a podcast called the hd tv and home theater podcast with ara dadarian and, and Braden russell and mm-hmm. they started getting into home automation with instion and and i just was absolute in envy of what they were doing with instion i mean we're talking about i don't know i think it was 2010 or 2011 i don't know when when instion came out Mm. and and i've been wanting to to import a lot of these devices because when i look at what i can find here locally it's nothing you just can't find anything you have to import everything because it's so niche and Mm. um, or you go with the the, the sort of brands like the Control 4s and the Crestrons of the world, but that's like completely out of our, out of, out of our budgets and, yeah. and means. And, um, and I just, well, Insteon, they only work on, on 110 volts and we got a 220 volt. Uh, so I couldn't even import the Insteon uh, stuff because I quite liked at the time the way they were doing it. And, um, you know, so uh, the years rolled on and I, um, and this is where i'm going to probably also talk about talk about the lighting in a a second but i was i was introduced to a a company called quick switch here in south africa it's a local company that does um relays and so forth Mm, i thought oh, this is really cool yeah and and then it was uh, it was probably about a, a year i think in 2017 when i actually bought a quick switch relay and and a you know i thought let's let's play with this i mean i I heard of Home Assistant, but I never really knew much about it. And then, it was actually only in March, sort of February, March in 2018, when I actually bit the bullet and said, "Okay, let's do this. We're now got to get into this, this, this Home Assistant thing and see what it's about." I managed to get it up and running, and and suddenly it was like, "Holy moly!" But the possibilities of just becoming endless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. This is this is something that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And that's how I got into it, and uh, it hasn't stopped from there, and and it's just been going forward ever since.
0: You've been you've been kind of in the home automation game for a, a little bit at least, then.
2: Yeah, sort of just keeping an eye on things and and seeing what's going on and watching the evolution of home automation. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's quite funny that uh, Braden and Ara on their podcast will say, "Yeah, this is the year of home automation," yeah, because yeah. a lot of things like the the Amazon Echo started coming out and and they started getting features where you can control devices and of course all that the smart home devices coming out are saying you can control it with with the Amazon Echo with Google Home and you know and so and so this ball have started rolling and rolling and collecting more snow as it as as it's coming down the hill just in terms of the amount of devices coming out mm-hmm. and you know 2018 that that was basically my th- I can I can actually start to do this now because it's now becoming uh feasible and the nice thing is is that when I when I just dis, uh, dis, cuz I think what got me to discover home assistant was when I looked at quick switch and I said I need because at the time I looked at quick switch they they you could only they had a, a GSM uh a device which would mm-hmm. send uh, commands to their cloud and uh, you know it, it looked a bit
1: bulky at the time it wasn't really that great the aesthetics it's GSM so you're basically running a, a 2G phone connection for to get access their cloud yeah yes that
2: was at the time this was in 2016 and i thought no 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 this just so i kind of left it and then when i when i got back to them a year later they had improved it by actually introducing a a a small hub um called a wi-fi bridge which allows uh, the devices to connect to their cloud and then and then when i got into home assistant i discovered but wait a minute the the things are getting done a little differently because quick switch there's an integration into into home Assistant. the quick switch it actually came in quite early in in the in the life of of home assistant and i see it used this little device called a qs usb hub and i thought oh and i went to their website i couldn't find it i then contacted them i said hey guys there's qs usb hub i need one he said no we don't make them anymore i said surely you've got to have them i need one yeah he said not a problem i'll make one for you and I'll ship it to you sure and I mean I mean QuickSwitch is virtually down the road from my office I mean uh, but um, actually through a friend I, I got I got this QS USB hub and I got everything going and and suddenly boom I was able to now control these relays I only had two relays at the time just that I hooked up to a lamp that I played with and I I, I, and I said okay this 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 is definitely gonna this is definitely gonna be my lighting solution and 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 uh, going forward because now I can actually control this lot now let's get started yeah.
0: That's awesome, <laughs> yeah. So, you, you talked about and, and and not not to switch topics back and forth like crazy here, but uh, we, we you talked about Control Four and and your um, your your friend, somebody you know, has a Control Four installation. Um, why? I, I mean, you, you mentioned you don't want to go that way because of cost. Were there any other barriers? Was there anything else? Um, yeah, look, when when uh, my friend did his control
2: ho- uh, control four system, it was actually at exactly the same time that I actually got into home assistant. Right. And I and I and I said to him, you know, because I would have wanted to be able to get him going on home assistant rather than actually go and spend uh, the money that he did on control four. But mm-hmm. it was also at the same time where I was trying to figure out lighting in general with with home automation yeah, yeah. and i i found i found the holy grail of lighting with control four and yeah. looking around at what lighting how lighting is done everywhere else in terms of of the smart home you know where you've got uh, uh smart bulbs you've got smart switches you've got but i i in every sort of solution i found a flaw because if you if you look at and and this is where this is also why i picked uh, quick switch because uh, quick switch is giving me actually the ideal uh, sort of scenario because and maybe just i know i'm going a bit on a tangent because you've asked me about control four but i'll, I'll get there in a second but essentially quick switch works that you wire in the relay uh, to a cluster of lights so for example in my study mm-hmm. in my lounge in my kitchen there is a relay in the roof that controls those lights and the, the 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 little QS USB hub. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's about the size of an Oreo cookie, and you plug it into the Raspberry Pi via the USB. There's a a or, you know, Home Assistant add-on which which we put together for it, and it talks locally via an API locally to this QS USB, and then it emits a a, a radio signal. So. It's it's basically in the same sort of frequency range as uh, Z Wave. So in okay in in South Africa the Z Wave frequency is um is, is eight six six. Yeah, it's eight sixty eight point four. That's the South That's African nice. Z. Very close.
0: I, I don't know why you know that, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the, and
2: and the thing is, the the quick switch frequency is four hundred kilohertz below the Z Wave frequency. So it's a proprietary frequency. Oh, interesting. Um. It's proprietary, so it was a frequency that was allocated by our uh, communications, uh, uh, you know, Mm. uh, ICASA, which is our communications association of South Africa, and so that's also why that you you don't get quick switch anywhere else in the world because imagine trying to. Have to. I mean, that's the problem that Z-Wave, I would think, has because there's so many frequencies all over the world with Z-Wave yeah. devices. I mean, I can't go and buy a Z-Wave device in Australia or the U.S. because it's not going to work if I had a Z-Wave hub that was purchased here. So, the 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 quick frequency, it's it's nice and low. Uh, it's it's um, so that means it. You know, as compared to Zigbee, for instance, where Zigbee is 2.4 gigahertz, where, where yep. quick switches is 868, it could penetrate through walls. I mean, I've got a relay sitting, uh, controlling a cluster of lights, basically below my office, which is on the first story of the house. My, my house has only got one story, uh, two stories, but the only room in the second story is my office. Right. And it's sitting below. And the QS USB is sitting in my lounge, connected to my Raspberry Pi, and, it's in a, and it is able to control that relay. So and and the nice thing about this is that the physical switches are actually switch plates. So they've got either two or four buttons on and then you pair the button with the relay. So you can pair a button with five or say two or three relays got if you it. wanted to. So so when you push the button, it turns the relay on or turns it off, and and essentially you rip out the old switch, the old traditional switch. You close the circuit, and then you put the switch plate switch plate over the the hole where the old switch was. So now you've got the best of both worlds. You can push a physical button to turn the lights mm. on and off, and you can control it with home assistant. Right. So and and the, the 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 problem that I have with a lot of smart home devices, especially is okay smart bulbs. Uh, you you've either got to uh, find a, a, a switch that will turn them on and off yeah. because I I fully believe in the fact that you should have uh, the the traditional light switch and obviously to be able to turn them on and off physically because at the end of the day you're not the only one who's using your smart home it's your family it's your wife your kids your yep. um, your guests that, that come and visit and you know at the same time you also uh, and this is what i also like about the the quick switch is that you're going to either two or four buttons and um, so coming back to the control four now now control four has got what they call keypads and this is what i really 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 wish we could have in with with the devices that we can get today is the keypad where you can configure the keypad with whatever combination of buttons you want you can rip out some buttons put in a bigger Mm. button you can put in a rocker switch you can and those Buttons simply control relays and turn those relays with the group of lights on and off. And then obviously you've got the, the, the controller, which is essentially the, the home, home control for controller, which obviously these relays connect to yeah. and, and all, they're all sort of. So, uh, you know, and I quite like that system. And that's what I found with QuickSwitch I said I've got uh, definitely the, the best of both worlds. I've got the, the sort of in-quote keypad uh, capability where you've got the physical switch. And you can program the buttons ever you like. It's physical hard buttons. And also, I don't have a relay built into the switch. The, the other thing that I noticed, especially in the US and probably in Canada as well, that one two-by-four-inch switch box only contains one switch. If you look at even, I mean, the other the other brands of smart switches that are very popular is obviously the, the Cassetta. Uh, what's it? Yep, Lutron. Um, Lutron Cassetta. Yep. Uh, which also communicates locally to its hub and stuff like that but the the problem still stands that you've only got one switch that means that if you want to add more physical switches you have to uh, uh, actually put enough for example you know i would i would go to uh, obviously the channels the youtube channels that i watch a lot uh, watch quite a lot is dr z's and uh, dr mm. Z's and the hookup and when they did their smart home tours i noticed one very pertinent thing about the us the way they do lights is that you can have four light switches and they're all two by four inch boxes sitting right next to each yeah. other. Like this big rectangular of light switches yeah. that doesn't happen in, in South Africa. If you want four switches, you buy one two by four and you've got four physical lights, uh, toggle switches or rocker switches in one unit. Uh, so you can imagine the conduit coming down to that light switch, uh, from an electrical point of
0: view. It's like, it's just
2: a plethora of wires,
0: but also, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty annoying yeah. We're we're, we're exactly the same here. Um, actually you know what for the most part it's actually not bad the neutrals are what's Mm. annoying because it'll just be one Mm. giant uh bundle of neutral cables right
2: yeah and and the, the other thing is that our houses we don't use drywall in our houses not at all it's all brick and mortar right so so basically when the house is built when that a conduit is put into the wall. and That switches on the wall. That's it. That's what it. you get. You, you, that's you, what yeah. you get. Yeah. You get. You can't go and cut a hole in the drywall to put another switch in, or whatever the case is. So, so if you go walk into the hardware store now, at uh, you know anywhere in South Africa, and you look at the switches they they um, they sell, it's um, one, two, four, and even six button switches, all in a two by four inch uh, switch enclosure. So, uh, you know, so that's why a lot of the times we can't really import a lot of the switches that that uh, you know right because we generally control what up to two i'd say most of my switches in my house are two and more i'd say two maybe four in, in uh, one box in some cases in one yeah. box yeah so uh, and and that, that's what i and and coming back to the control four system they also have just one it's also a two by four box a, a keypad with all the little buttons on it and obviously you can control all your lights with it and obviously they also sell those sort of decorous style uh, rocker type of switches yeah. and that's quite cool with the little leds that show you that it's on and off and all those all this cool stuff so yeah it's it's you know it's it's i i you know at the beginning of my smart home journey i was a bit disillusioned as to what was out there i said like, come on guys you, you 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 need to get this right <laughs> And, and QuickSwitch is the only one that I found that actually really got it right. It's just a pity that, yeah. that they localized here. They can't get their products overseas because, I mean, the certifications to get their products yeah. certified all over the world would just cost an absolute fortune. Yes. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, we've got uh, clusters of lights that we need to control. We can't just go and replace them all with smart bulbs. and I mean, it'll cost a small fortune, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and and, and that's, that's what's unfortunate about uh, small companies like that right it's just it's it's hard for them to even though they're doing a lot of cool things it's it's hard for them to scale out um, to do at a, mm-hmm. something at a global scale right so which is which is oh, it's very very which is very too bad channel. but uh, I, I, I know you were you were in, in your email to us you were talking about um, you know load shedding uh, electricity uh, electrical load shedding <laughs> uh, prepaid <laughs> electricity um you know Ooh, all, all yes. of the all of the challenges that are in in south africa with, with with regards to electricity and water and 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 all of that yes definitely you know you know that's
2: that's one thing we not we're not um uh, uh we're so used to uh crises you know we've now we've now got the pandemic now mm. but mm. um because it was 20, a water crisis, wasn't it? The there? water, yeah. We, the the water crisis was around twenty. It started coming from about twenty sixteen onwards, where right. mm-hmm. the we weren't getting enough rain in Cape Town. This was localized to Cape Town, but actually it spread throughout the country as well. But it was very prominent in Cape Town. Um, we that we st- our winter rains never came in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, and our dams were, uh, that supply water to the city of Cape Town were starting to decrease, and Just we started getting it started drying up and and they imposed very very strict water restrictions so basically they would have different levels so you're only allowed to use so much water they started obviously charging you a lot more if you used more water so um you know it was this big water saving drive that we were going on trying to see if how many how many kilolitres of water we can use a month you know so you would get in the shower wet your body turn the shower off lather up and uh, rinse off done mm-hmm. i mean you'd call it the one minute showers and 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 a lot of people had to impose a lot of creative ways to try and conserve water, you know, especially keeping our gardens going, keeping our pools topped up because we weren't allowed to top our pools up. We couldn't water our gardens um, and stuff like that. So a lot of us had, we would install big uh, uh, rain, rainwater collection tanks. I've got two uh, 1000 liter rainwater collection tanks that I installed back then. And, um, and also trying to find ways that we can even reuse our gray water. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so of course, uh, um, next to the washing machine, I've got a big 200 liter, uh, tank. Uh, there's a submersible pump in there and all the washing machine water gets uh, put in because I've got a big, you know, the speed queen washing machines it, and that thing really sucks water. So right. that tank is, 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 is filled, filled up by the time a wash is done. So, uh, you know, <laughs> um, now what I did was I, uh, when, um, when we did the tank, I think it was a 2019, I managed to get a hold of a whole lot of Jami sensors. And of course, one of them was a water leak uh, detector yep. sensor. So I'll I popped that, that, uh, pop that onto the tank and uh, you know, I said about email, I got a couple of funny stories and I thought I'll just get on, get into this while we're on this yeah. topic. But um, so uh, the, the, the leak detectors in, and I was still using the Aquara hub. Yep. And the Aquara hub was sitting virtually uh, within ear distance from my lounge so uh, if the little the alarm that i set it so that if the the water leak detectors triggered the alarm will go off you would hear announcements on the amazon echoes all around the house the notifications will get sent to all the cell phones yeah. so that you know that the this tank is overflowing because although we're very diligent in making sure that once the, the washing machine is done uh, the tank is full uh, we go plug a hose into the submersible pump and pump the water out and water the garden with grey water, you know. I would mm-hmm. say using grey water is not really the best for your garden, no. but at least it kept it on life support. It's something, you know, so yeah. It just, it's something. And... um you know, and there's, and there's times when uh, we forget to turn off, first of all, because the submersible pump's got a float switch. So when the water goes down, the submersible turns off. And we've had a couple of cases where we forgot to unplug the submersible. So the washing would get done, and suddenly you'd hear this big spray in the garage, and all our cars would get wet. And oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but coming back to the, the leak detector, now um, it was one, one Friday, and I was. I was going home and, and uh, needed to stop at the shop to get some milk and, and so forth so I'm in the line waiting to for my turn to get to the till to pay for the milk and whatever else I was getting so I get a notification on my cell phone to say this, the water leak detector has been been uh, triggered, been a, a triggered. Yeah. and I think okay I know my wife's at home so I phone her and I phone her and phone her and phone her. the phone does, just rings and rings and rings she's not picking yeah. up oh, and I thought no. oh jeez <laughs> okay so, in any case, and I, I dropped
1: the milk in the. Yeah. groceries. I was very <laughs> close to drop the milk in the groceries,
2: but luckily, I was the first. I was I was right in the front, so I'll just let it. I just thought, okay, let's just let's just get it done. I raced home, and as I was coming around the corner, I could start seeing the water coming down the driveway oh, no. and the gate, <laughs> and I I didn't even I didn't even put my car off. I opened the 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 driveway gate into the garage, shut down the 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 washing machine, and I went into the house and I said, love the water tank is overflowing. Didn't you hear the, the siren go off? Didn't you see your phone? Yeah, Didn't yeah, you yeah, Alexa yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the echo go And she said, oh, but I thought it was part of the movie.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, yeah, because she was watching him. She was watching a movie with obviously you know what what you know because the, she heard the siren. She thought the siren was part of the movie she was watching. I said, "How oh, can you not know?" Oh, you look at
0: your phone. See, and, n- now you and know, know that if it. an alarm goes off as part of your automation, you need to pause all, all TV.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. Turn but, all TVs off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so of course, the first thing I do and goes uh, I go and do is is, is put this this on a repeat to somehow a script calling a script. And I couldn't even get that right. So I tell you, I was like, oh, man. But what I was quite happy about is that the automation triggered and it actually did its job. So I was quite like, because I I never thought that I would ever get there. But, um, you know, know, (laughs) (laughs) and then – uh, one, a little project that I designed just for the ESP-8266 created uh, a just a, a tank level monitor as well just for the fun of it just to see if I can level measure the level of water in my rainwater collection mm. tanks which was quite a fun project to do. Um, it never really got off the ground where I actually deployed it, but the sensors, actually the pressure sensors still sitting in my one tank is uh, enough. Uh, right. So, because I, I kind of thought my tanks, you know, especially when, uh, cause the, we, we got our, our winter rains run about June, I think, then, then it. Came bucketing down with rain, and we and our dams so full. And my tanks were always full; they were always full. So I thought, mm, I'm not going to. So you wouldn't spend... need to know. Yeah, I don't need to know. You know, I mean, I use the water when I when I when I empty the tanks. I empty them into the pool, so just to top the pool up during the summer. So I don't really need to do that. It's cool and all, but yeah. Um, so you know that's on the on the on the water side of it, and at some point I was even considering getting a Moen. Fl- I think the flow for Moen, I think yep. at that time was was. I'm not sure if I think that I'd started seeing uh, articles about it, but I couldn't buy it because I wanted to measure my water consumption so we can really on a fly check to see if we're reaching our target so that we don't go over, and if we do go over, then something happens—alerts or whatever the case is. But, shut off the water. You know, yeah, so shut you off the water. water, water. Or, yeah, right? yeah. You know, a lot of different things that I that I wanted to do, but I thought you know, we. So that project got set aside. I mean, there's there's water there's water monitoring systems like the Moen is not cheap. I mean, no, I, I was actually looking
0: um, at that when my water main broke, and uh, I just couldn't get it in time because my water main broke. <laughs> and needed, yeah, <laughs> <to> <laughs> it always happens the water, when you don't. So. When you don't. Yeah. <laughs> but uh
2: oh, i tell you that that's that's a really it does look like a, a nice device um so yeah uh, that that will be a future project and i even consider building one with a little turbine and 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 so forth but you know it's it takes so much time just to get these things up and running and to build them and uh, i thought Ugh, let's just leave this for another day yeah. we'll, we'll focus on something else but um yeah the the other thing that we've been having a problem with is load shedding and this started happening uh, from about two, 20 2008 where the the country's generation capacity was actually starting to um what's the 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 demand was actually exceeding the supply and they went mm. into a series of what they call rolling blackouts so basically they divided the country into areas yeah. and different time slots and then For two and a half hours depending on the stage so if stage one is a thousand megawatts uh at stage two is two thousand etc etc and then they would cut your power for two and a half hours and that could happen once a day once every two days if it's stage three then it's it could be two to three times a day so you know obviously a lot of companies and a lot of private individuals started installing generators and inverter systems and so Mm. forth yeah and um you know so so with home assistant, what I uh, what I discovered during because uh, we uh, the load shedding at at certain points would just stop. So t- the 2008 cycle lasted and then it stopped and then um, maintenance because it's because of lack of maintenance on our power generation uh, units and and so forth that this started happening and and um, so there was a, a period where it never happened. So that was great. So we we could uh, actually forget about it. And then again it started rearing its little head again in 2016. we started getting load shedding and then again in 20 you know so total goes on and off and on and off that they actually bring it back in i mean just before our our lockdown we were we were going through a series of of load shedding as well and when i what i noticed about load shedding is especially that 10 o'clock in the evening um time that all the lights would go off and then the lights would come back on the power come back on at half past 12 and all my lights come back on as well so Mm -hmm. All the, you know, especially the ones that are on the quick switch relays, because they, res- they go back to their own state uh, mm. that they were on. So at half past 12, you realize the power is back on and you've got to struggle through, oh, now i have got to switch everything off and so forth. So, so there I created an automation um, that I, I basically preloaded a Google calendar with, uh, with stages one to four in it, with the times for my area. Mm-hmm. And in Home Assistant, uh, configured it so that, depending on the stage, it would actually call a script to shut down. So, it, first of all, turn off all the lights, shut down the computers, um, shut down Home Assistant itself, you know, shut down the Raspberry yeah. Pi. Right. And, you know, try and shut down as much as I can so that when the power, when the power comes, goes out. yeah. yeah So because the power doesn't go out at exactly that time, but usually it's about a couple of minutes after. So then at least it's home assistance got time to shut everything down Mm. so that when the power comes back on, you don't have to worry at at two in the morning or whatever. that suddenly all your lights are all all on and and everything. So so, you know, it's those type of things that we had to take consideration of. Thank goodness that the the Eskimo power supply company has got a little uh, restful web service that that publishes the stage
1: so that i
2: right. added then as a as a sensor nice. home assistant yeah uh
1: how are you running like home assistant you're using like the raspberry pi and if you are could you use something like a, a phone charger to keep home assistant running during those brownouts or blackouts um
2: yeah, look, it's running a Pi. So I've just recently upgraded to a Pi four, cool. four gigabyte, four mm-hmm. uh, four gig, That's really awesome. As I tell you, from a three B, uh, it's such a massive improvement. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I must say the Pi is, is is running really nicely. And yes, I, I could do that. I, I mean, a lot of people invest in little inverter systems to keep their um, so, for example, to keep the internet up and running. You know, their their, mm-hmm. their router, uh, so that you've got internet access. They uh, pl- uh, obviously. Uh, keeps their tv going and perhaps a streaming box or something like that so at least and a a single light so uh, you know these are very small inverters that sit on the top of your tv cabinet so i mean i could do something like that but the the problem that i have is that my network is scattered around the house so in my office i've got my fiber router um down uh, my my ubiquity access points are both plugged into a a switch in my garage so that's where the power for that is and then the tv Mm -hmm. and and the and then Nvidia Shield and all that is so if I were to have an inverter system I would have to put three inverters throughout the house yeah. and and for me that just doesn't doesn't really sit well with me and so you know you kind of just yeah I'll just live with it we'll just live with this um, I actually uh, just the other day I actually got a quote for the installation of an inverter system with a, a like a with a 400 uh, amp hour battery um to keep the lights on and the power mm-hmm. going within the house during during uh, these blackouts and uh, uh the price was quite steep yeah. but expected <laughs> um the guy quoted me for a lithium ion battery which is a lot more expensive than like a, a like a, a gel deep cycle batteries and stuff like that so uh, you know we thought mm, let's just live with this for now you know so um it's not ideal but sure you know later later we do that because a friend of mine um actually, candles are cheaper yeah <laughs> yeah uh, candles and and gas uh that's and, right. you know propane gas lamps and yeah <laughs> yeah are, are a lot cheaper than than. and you know and the the only um, thing is that when there's a blackout the cell networks virtually die as well oh. so you you really isolated. so you can't oh, even wow. access lte it's 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 not that's, fun. that's so interesting
0: because that, that Even from a safety perspective, that sounds – because I would have thought those are, like, critical or whatever, and your provider would have had some kind of backup power on those, but –
2: They've got backup batteries, but the thing is that they don't seem to be able to last to carry the load. So when the power goes out, you've still got a bit of. A, 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 you've still got some way to at least have 4G or whatever the case is, but then eventually it just goes to a crawling halt. Uh, it's, mm. it's really terrible. You, you, you feel like you're cut off from the rest of the world because right. you can't. Uh, sometimes phone calls, traditional phone calls, sometimes do go through. So that's a bit of a lifeline. So at least those go through. But I mean,. You know, data is, is is the
1: name of the game today. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs>
2: and if that's done, uh, you're pretty isolated and from the rest of the world. If so. everyone's power's <laughs> yeah. like,
1: gone out, everyone's jumping on their phone onto Facebook to well, that's sort of entertain thing. themselves, right? And yeah, because now now exactly, you have a surge
0: yeah. of everyone on, especially because it's area based,
1: right? Mm, where the where the mm. load
0: shedding is, so everybody in that one area is now jamming up the cell towers too, right? So.
2: Yeah, and I think that's probably the cause is because because everybody's jamming up the cell towers that's probably also awesome. that's another, and the obviously the backup power there at the cell towers is just not handling it. So yeah, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a problem, but uh, you know I think thankfully I know that that the the fiber network is uh that's up and running because a lot of people have said that they yeah they they at least the, for their fibers is up and running so that's great so that i mean the node the node room which is down the road from me where where the, the network terminates basically is stacked full of batteries and stuff like that yeah so that's that's a good thing
0: <laughs> yeah that's crazy that's uh those are yeah. some interesting challenges um it, to it, work it is
2: with. um and and um, the other the other thing that we uh, especially a lot of newer homes that are built in in South Africa are built with uh, prepaid electricity meters. Yeah, so you don't get a bill, bill from council. You you got a meter in your garage. It's got an LCD display. It shows you how many uh, kilowatt hours you've got of electricity left. So when you want to top up, you purchase a token. You say you want uh, 500 rands worth electricity. It sends you a token. You punch the token in. Boom, your box gets up uh, comes up and 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 and. My, my one big project that I've been, tra- been wanting to tackle and I have actually did start it is to be able to read that LCD display because, believe me, guys, I've been caught so many times where I forget to top the meter yeah. up and boom, <laughs> the power goes out. It's like, oh, no, do we have low? shedding? Uh, no, we don't no. have. Uh, I can you see just all the, street lights the on. <laughs>
1: so is it actually attached to your house?
2: Yes, it's basically in the main line. So when the power comes into your house, it goes through the meter first before it actually yep. hits your distribution board and everything. Right. So um, you you you're pretty much at the mercy of this meter. So if it runs
1: out and you forget to top it up, yeah, then, and then so then you I'm have to on go outside phone outside in the cold and you have to go out in your nice you know nice dressing gown and in your and your moccasins and, and punch in this code <laughs> to turn on to get the power back on. Well,
2: luckily, the meter's in my garage. So, okay. so
1: that's, uh, that's,
2: so the nice thing is that I, when I walk into the garage from the house, in, because right. obviously our garage is, uh, there's just an access door from the house into the garage. So it's, so I just walk in and I can turn my head and, or we just give my job, job to my son to check the meter. Mm-hmm. Hey, we still got some units left. There you go. You have and, automated uh, it.
0: That's right. Yeah, I kind of have automated it <laughs> in a way. Yeah. so it's
2: but but one thing I did I did I got myself an ESP thirty two cam, and I loaded ESP Home on it, and I basically put it onto it just as a test. Put it onto a tripod, mm-hmm. and and because the ESP thirty two cam has got a, a a flash, so you can turn on the globe and you can watch the meter. Sure. So I used the seven segment display yeah. uh, integration in Home Assistant to read that meter because then Home Assistant could give me an alert to say hey your meter your your electricity is running low you need to top up. Um, you know, sadly, these meters aren't smart. You, there's there's no internet connection or anything. So you physically have to go and punch in the digits to, to top it up, which is, <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, at the end of the day, you can get these notifications, but you still got to actually physically go and purchase yeah. electricity and go and punch it in. Interesting. And, if they're um, not smart, how do they know that the code's being used? That, it's a quite an interesting uh, – it's, it's a – interesting algorithm that they that they use because i haven't heard of anybody being able to to hack or to generate tokens um, yeah, you know this a, sounds. i've like never yeah. heard of it
1: right for i remember back yeah. in um like you know the phone like the freaking you know like putting up a, a little um a phone generator like a tone generator to a pay phone yes. to get free phone calls right yeah, yeah. this sounds like these sort of people should be all over this it's surprisingly not, and I have researched
2: it quite quite a lot to see if somebody's ever done it. But apparently, it's all to do with using um, encryption. Where they know your meter number because each meter's got a meter mm-hmm. number. There is a key um, in the in the meter that is used to obviously decrypt yeah, uh, right. the, the the token. So, so, um, so there is some sort of
0: communication back to the utility provider.
2: Not not at all. There's no communication whatsoever, and. You know, I mean, again, one could say, oh, but you could just bypass the meter by going in and bridging the sure. meter. Uh, but um, but I've, they do um, occasional audits of meters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I would I would think that they would have systems in place that knows your purchase history, that, you know, how regular you purchase. So if you're not purchasing for a long time, um, okay, there's something going yeah. on. Yeah, let's go and do an inspection. So, But these meters are completely offline. Uh, they're relying on the fact that there's some form of encryption that is preventing you from being able to decrypt the token and stuff like that. It's very proprietary. I, I've, I, I would love to know how these things work, but <laughs> I think it's a closely guarded secret because imagine sure, somebody sure. had to exploit that. Which, yeah. which uh, again, but, I
0: completely understand why, right? It's, it's Yeah. Uh, mm.
2: No, definitely. It's um, But uh, the, 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 what's, what was preventing me from continuing this project is that one would have to keep this camera exceptionally steady pointing at this meter and i was looking for a gooseneck arm you know those sort of metal Mm -hmm. gooseneck type of arms with a clamp and a base that you can attach to the wall that you can uh, steady this esp32 cam at the display because obviously you don't want if it moves up by one pixel then then the seven segment display integration can't decode it And I found a place uh, in the States called Snake Clamp. And I thought, oh, well, this – because I really try to look uh, locally for this. And the only thing you can find are these things that hold up your tablet and sure. your phone and those i can't think are the most stable because you need something that's stable that is not going to move and when i saw when i calculated the price of this thing how much it will cost to import it i thought no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> it was like over a thousand rand i think that was even before the, before the pandemic before the our currency yeah. tanked so i can imagine it's, it's probably a lot more now so again another really pr- cool project which i really couldn't wait to get get off the ground i've put on hold for a bit so but i will eventually get there because it's a bane. it's a it's just in a bane of my existence just you wake up in the middle of the night and, and i see my amazon echo spot is off and i think oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so i mean those are very very sort of uh a lot of sort of localized challenges that we have and how we are trying to get our home automation systems to to at least um help a little bit in the way of of just alerting us about this and managing things and and, and stuff yeah. like that i you know?
0: I wonder if the utility mm. is looking at doing something like again having something smart or with an app or something like that right Where they change up the meter and and mm. it's a little more intelligent just to say hey by the way you're gonna run out of power in whatever right yeah because
1: i know in australia a lot of this they've got smart meters now in our homes and they use like a, a zigbee protocol you know just to yeah. communicate back to a base station you know Instead of having to send people out to read the meters of how much electricity is being used, yeah,
2: yeah. Look, I, I seriously doubt we're going to have anything of that uh, of of that nature anytime soon. I mean, the the power utility company is so embroiled with uh, corruption and mismanagement and yeah. Um, and so forth. So the chances they they need to save themselves first before they can even think of doing fair, stuff like fair. this. Fair, so, fair. That's
0: that's yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate.
2: So in the meantime, we just got to go out and install some form of inverter system just to keep our power on. So the nice thing about the, having an inverter system is that if the meter runs out, you can you can because the nice thing about the inverter system, the inverters they they sell mostly in, in South Africa is made by a Chinese company called Voltronic. It's the expert Mm -hmm. inverters. And you actually get a Docker image that, um, uh, uh, which you connect a Raspberry Pi to the USB port and then via MQTT you can then monitor a whole lot of uh, Ah, stats and information. So... There, you, you will get the information about okay, it switched from grid power to battery power or from PV power or whatever yeah. the case is. So, you know, using all that, I mean, th- that's why I actually want to get an inverter system because I can play that's with right. all this cool that's stuff, right. you know. <laughs> yes, also just to keep the lights on doing load shedding.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then you can have automations like when you switch off, you know, your grid power, you turn off. Yeah. The... Turn off the, the main thing. Yeah.
0: So, uh oh, did we lose them?
1: Uh, I think so. That is an awkward time to freeze. Yeah. Maybe he's just had a blackout.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe it's uh yeah power shed.
1: <laughs> he hasn't paid his uh, electricity today. <laughs> oh no! All right. I don't know. What, what happened there? We were just saying that you you must have forgot to put the money in the meter and. <laughs> gone had a blackout
2: you know it's, you know you know that you, you joke like that but it's actually very possible thank goodness i checked the meter <laughs> before the recording and we got a lot of off after- and, and sometimes we've actually had a case where they they tell us oh by the way we're going to now start load shedding and boom the power goes out like within oh, wow. minutes so it's uh, if, if it happened i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> yeah 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 oh they yeah we
1: well i guess that's probably a good time anyway to, to sort of wrap up um Glenn, thank you so much for coming on, uh, talking about your unique use cases and, and requirements for your smart home in South Africa. Yeah, no, uh,
2: thanks very much. I mean, I've got still so many stories to tell and, and so forth, but I guess we're running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> we'll speak to you soon. Yeah. No, thanks very much. It was great. Thank you. Cheers.
1: If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io that's h-a-s-s podcast.io
0: the home assistant podcast
1: is hosted by phil
0: hawthorne and myself rohan caramandi for links to topics that we discussed today check out our show notes on haspodcast.io